Your Thoughts Podcast. Hi, this is Shane Vanderhart. Welcome back to another episode. Today is Wednesday, April 1st, 2020. No April Fool's jokes today for me. I, I enjoy pulling them, but I think, you know, I just don't have it in me this year. Not with everything that's going on, and I don't know about you. Uh, but if, you're, if your news feed is like mine, it's nothing but COVID-19. And uh, the primary focus of, of Caffeinated Thoughts has been on this pandemic as well, in particular how it's impacting the state of Iowa. I wanted to depart depart from that because uh, I think we need to. There are things going on in the world that we need to uh, pay attention to. And one of those things uh, would be the persecution of Christians in Nigeria, something that I don't think we hear nearly enough about. Uh, to talk about this, I invited Tony Perkins. He's the president of Family Research Council on the podcast. Uh, we had a conversation this morning. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Tony Perkins, president of Family Research Council. Hey, Tony, welcome to the Caffeinated Thoughts podcast. Well, good to be with you. So uh, I, I just, uh, I, we're talking about today about Christian, the Christian persecution going on in Nigeria. Um, first of all, what, what is going on in Nigeria from a, a geopolitical view that's causing kind of this this uh, instability. Yeah, so well, Shane, uh, first, let me just say thanks for focusing on this issue, because I think a lot of people are missing it, especially right now with right. what's happening both here in the United States and obviously globally when it comes to the coronavirus. You know, there's so many issues that are popping around the world that we've got to keep our eye on. And I would say Nigeria has to be at the top of the list. Okay. Um, largest African country, uh, 200 million people. So whatever happens in Nigeria is going to affect the rest of the continent and, and even into Europe. And what's happening right now is you have a, a country that is, um, I think, and, and well, I shouldn't maybe rephrase that. Many think, I'm not the only one, mm -hmm. that this could be another Rwanda, uh, a, a genocide that would break out. And we see the warning signs. And, and so we've got to take action now while we can. And so what you have, you have a population and the statistics, you know, I'm just going to go with the published statistics. Others argue that they're not uh, what they what they say. But the public, okay. uh, the, the published statistics say that the population is evenly divided between Muslim and Christian. Some argue the Christian population is actually larger, uh, but the Muslim government controls the uh, the data that comes out. Okay. But what you you have are these uh, these attacks that are being perpetrated by the Fulani herdsmen, by uh, Boko Haram uh, against Christians, against churches, against Christian villages. And it, it, it goes on pretty much with uh, the government just turning a blind eye and doing nothing to protect the, the uh, general population. Okay, I think our listeners are probably a little more familiar with Boko Haram, but maybe not familiar with the Fulani uh, herdsmen, the militants that, that you know, are... are involved in this so who are those folks well again they're they're kind of the uh, um well they're they're muslim in their background and what's happened is they've become kind of militarized and and then this is where this is where we have some issues even historically in our own state department but certainly internationally i know that uh, the british government 
looking at Nigeria has said, oh, this is a global warming, uh, sorry, climate change. I got to use the politically correct term, the uh, a climate change issue because there's a lack of resources. And so you have the, the herdsmen, the Fulani herdsmen, which are Muslim in their background and orientation primarily. Mm -hmm. And then you have the, the Christians, which are primarily farmers. And so the, the, they say it's a dispute again, over land. Exactly. Over okay. grazing land, being able to graze their, their cattle, their, their uh, herds. And so you've got the farmers. And so they say it's a fight over resources, over water, over grazing land. But it, and, they, and, and some of that is true. I mean, there, there are, so those are some of the issues. Right. And, and so it's not, it's not as easy to, to go in and say, this is black and white. And so it's easier for diplomats just to say, oh, this has nothing to do with religion. It's just about limited resources. In fact, religion has a lot to do with this. Okay. Well, yeah, it, it, we, we're not hearing necessarily stories of, of Christians attacking Muslims, you know, and slaughtering innocent no. uh, civilians. It's, it's the other way around. Uh, and is this happening uh, more acutely in the North or is it happening uh, nationwide? Well, it, it is more acute in in the north, although there are some there are pockets of this around uh, the, the the country. The, the 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 problem is that the the government is not providing. The, the government's fragile to begin with, and these uh, the Boko Haram in particular. Now, there and I, I I had this impression initially, but as I spent more time on this issue, speaking to those in Nigeria. Um, and, and again, dedicating more time to the situation. I initially thought that the Boko Haram were, you know, just kind of these uh, Islamic uh, rad radicals that, uh, you know, picked up AK-47 somewhere, when in right. fact, these folks are very well trained. In fact, okay. better trained and equipped than the Nigerian military, the, the security forces. In fact, there was evidence recently, and I would not independently confirmed this, so I, 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 I put a little asterisk there, but that, uh, you know, Turkey is funneling money to Boko Haram, uh, and, and, and they're getting uh, training and equipment at some of the best, uh, you know, at the highest level. So they're actually, they're actually executing uh, missions with uh, great precision. And in fact, they've, you know, they've gone in, and, and you, you'll recall, I'm sure your listeners recall, um, the, the girls that were in that mm -hmm. school, one of them being Leah Caribou, who is a I've actually adopted as my prisoner of conscience at the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, which I chair, and she's still being held. Only one, there were 105. Uh, I think three or four were killed. Uh, the others released except Leah because she has refused to renounce her Christian faith, and she is being held. Uh, by Boko Haram, but they they execute these raids with uh, with very good precision, and so they're well trained, well equipped, and again the government is doing very little to protect these Christian villages against these raids. Okay, so it it seems like all of our attention has been focused on on ISIS when it comes to terrorist groups, and very little on Boko Haram. I mean, what what more should the United States be doing as far as Involvement in and in, when we're looking at the war on terror as a whole, yeah, with with Boko Haram. Good question, Shane. And and I want to I'm going to put it from this. I'm going to say this up front. I don't think that a, that America has to be the world's policeman. 
Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a Marine veteran. I, I, I spent time in the Marine Corps and, and I, um, I know that we've been involved in some wars and the longest war in history in Afghanistan, the president's pulling us out of, and I, I'm not one saying that we need to send our military. And so that's not what I'm saying, but okay. we need to be, we need to be watching it. We need to use every diplomatic tool that we have possible. Now about two years ago, I think it was, uh, president Trump had a meeting with the Nigerian president and called upon him to, uh, act and protect Christians who were being attacked. And, and for a while, uh, that actually happened. Uh, they went back. He, uh, he put, uh, stationed troops around some of the more at-risk Christian villages. And for a while, for about six months, the hostilities died down. Um, but then, you know, kind of went back to business as usual. So part of that is just, you know, in our foreign aid, and, and I know nobody is big fans of the foreign aid, but it does provide some leverage and we need to use it that way. And I would say that this administration is doing that better than any other. There's still room for improvement, but they're doing it right. better than any other when it comes to protecting religious freedom. Okay. Uh, I was looking at some uh, statistics from the International Committee on Nigeria. Uh, one, A couple things that jumped out for me looking at the humanitarian crisis, because uh, it seems like all the attention's on Syria and what's happening there, but I, I see, it, for instance, that uh, religious violence and terrorism has displaced, according to the International Committee on, on, on Nigeria, nearly 1.8 million Nigerians. And another thing that's jumped out is they have the second highest number of refugees, upwards of 19,000 individuals, pouring into Europe uh, from the Mediterranean Sea since January 2017. And, you know, my question is... Uh, and that's just that's just one avenue of 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 these folks migrating out of of Nigeria. Why are we why are we not really hearing anything about this? I mean, you know, when we're hearing about what's happening with with refugees, it's always Syria, 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 and I hear nothing about Nigeria. Yeah, it's a really Shane. It's a really good question. Um, I, I just think we tend to ignore the, I don't say ignore, we, we pay less attention to the African continent than we do um, the Middle East and in Europe. I mean, the Middle East is, you know, we've got a, a very strategic ally in the Middle East. We've got Israel and it, the Middle East tends to be a hotbed of activity that gets our attention uh, more so than the African continent. But what's happened here is, as you mentioned ISIS a moment ago, a lot of the terrorist operations that have been pushed out of the Middle East are taking on new forms or reestablishing themselves in the African continent. And you've got uh, the Central African Republic has become a hotbed. Uh, you've, you've got Nigeria. And, and as you pointed out, with 19,000 refugees flowing into Europe, that's only going to increase. So this is right. an international issue. Europe needs to be a part of the solution here, as well as uh, you know the United States, which tends to tends to take uh, a lead role in this. But we're going to have to have help from others. Okay, so what are some things that that you think? Uh, what could like what can our listeners do to shine a spotlight on on this problem? Number one, and one of the things that. We advocate, and this is one of the, I mentioned Leah Sherabu, um, 
a moment ago who's a prisoner of conscience that, that we have at the, at the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom to put a spotlight. And that's, you know, my, my primary focus is on the religious freedom issue. And that's, that's the lens through which we see this. And of course, Christians being targeted there in Nigeria. So it's easy for us to focus on that. But, but one is to, uh, to personalize this and, and, and go to, um, the resources or organizations like uh, Open Doors USA, um, the um, I mean, there's a, a number of organizations that have resources. There's the uh, committee for uh, on Nigeria that that uh, has stories, and, and we got to personalize this. We got to take it from the numbers because when you just talk about numbers, people just kind of 19,000 refugees. But when you begin to tell the stories of those refugees, those those moms, those dads, those children. Um, who are fleeing everything that they have, and you begin to hear those stories, then you realize this is a problem. And so one, we're inter- encouraging churches and others just to adopt uh, families to pray for and, and raise the public awareness of what's happening in the, uh, in the country of Nigeria. Okay. And uh, well, is there any kind of pressure that we could put on on? The Trump administration, are, are things we could say to the U.S. senators, uh, our representatives. Uh, yeah, there, there, there is. Um, there is. I, and I, I like to start with the, the basics. And I, I think we have to take personal responsibility to be um, prayerful, concerned, educated about this. And Absolutely. one of the good resources is the, um, the International Committee on Nigeria, ICON which is focused solely on Nigeria and they they tell a lot of those stories and one of the one of the things they're asking for which I'm in agreement with is they would like to see a special envoy to Nigeria um, because of the critical nature of what's happening in Nigeria somebody who the uh, Secretary of State and I've met with the secretary with he's a great guy close personal friend uh, and they're considering this, but the encouragement to have someone that is focused on Nigeria, on this region, to help resolve this issue, focus like a laser on this one problem before before it gets out of hand and becomes, uh, like I said, another Rwanda. Okay. Okay. Um, I, how do you, in general, how would you grade the Trump administration on their handling of religious persecution and, and religious freedom internationally in general? Are they doing a better job than, say, the, the Obama administration? Uh, how do they compare uh, to the Bush administration? I would say they are head and shoulders above every administration. Okay. Um, night and day between the last administration um, and uh, – tremendously better than the Bush administration. Um, Now, what are are they doing differently? Well, number one, they've made it a top priority. Uh, They have stated, the Secretary of State has stated that our number one foreign policy is religious freedom. We've never had that before. And and so they are making it a top priority. Now, you juxtapose that to the previous administration, the Obama administration, where uh, abortion rights and uh, you know the, the uh, LGBT rights were the top priority. So complete uh, sea change from the last administration, but even from the the Bush administration, using the influence and the levers they have. I mean, President Trump, first president to speak at the United Nations, hold a meeting on 
religious freedom, challenging other countries to respect it. Now, again, I've had the uh, the benefit of being able to travel to different parts of the world. In fact, I was in Sudan last month meeting with the new prime minister there. And because of the priority that this administration has placed on religious freedom, world leaders, even in, in Islamic countries, which is primarily where I go, they are wanting to see how they can thread the needle and be more open to religious freedom so that they are in uh, the good graces of the Trump administration. So that this administration is using its influence to enhance global focus on religious freedom, but also uh, using its influence to help uh, those that are being persecuted around the world for their faith, people of all faiths. Um, but it's, it's making a tangible difference. Great. So um, our, our listeners are probably familiar with your organization, Family Research Council, but I want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about the work you do uh, with them. Well, thanks, Shane. Yeah, the Family Research Council, our website, FRC, Family Research Council, FRC.org. We, we are in Washington, D.C., uh, the, the largest uh, uh, Christian public policy organization in Washington, and, and our focus over the last decade has shifted to be Probably about 50% of our work is on religious freedom, both uh, primarily domestic but on foreign religious freedom, because there's a connection, mm -hmm. as we saw in the last administration, when, when we attack religious freedom here at home, it sends a signal to the, the terrorists and the tyrants abroad that we don't care about religious freedom, and we see the world become uh, a much da more dangerous place for people of faith. So we, we feel like you've got to do both. And, and we're, work, we're working aggressively, both domestically and in our foreign policy. And, and this administration has been unbelievably good on that. Now, always room for improvement. And we're constantly pushing and asking for more. But uh, I've been here uh, over 17 years and have worked with multiple administrations. And this administration, by far, is the best, understands it, concerned about it, uh, the president, is committed to it. I've talked to him a number of times on this issue. The Vice President, uh, Secretary of State, the Ambassador at Large for Religious Freedom, Sam Brownback, a, mm -hmm. a longtime dear friend. Um, so, look, it, it doesn't get any better than this in terms of having a team that cares about it. Now we just all have to put our shoulder to it and 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 be diligent, even in the midst of all of these other issues that are going on, and and seize this moment to advance religious freedom internationally. Great. Um, just want to maybe close with just some some suggestions for our listeners about ways they can pray for Nigeria. I mean, again, I would encourage you. Icon has a good website, um, and it, it's it's standwithnigeria.org, and and they have a lot of the uh, the, the detailed information about Nigeria. Okay. Now, another. Another way is, is, is sign up for my daily update, and, and I periodically do articles on um, Nigeria and other countries so they can kind of track with this, and, and, and we'll have prayer points, and they can do that at frc.org or tonyperkins.com. And just main thing is, is, is be informed. Talk about these things with your friends and neighbors, your small groups, and as you pointed out earlier, communicate with your elected officials. It, it's good for them to hear from you that these issues that are often are not in the media unless something just you know explodes, um, it's good for you to communicate and underscore 
the work that many organizations like FRC, like ICON, are doing on behalf of the persecuted. Well, Tony, thank you so much for your time, and God bless you in this work, and and, uh, uh, we'll have to have you back sometime. Shane, thank you. Appreciate what you do. Keep getting the word out there. Definitely. That concludes today's episode of the Caffeinated Thoughts podcast. If you are listening to this podcast somewhere other than on our website, please be sure to check out caffeinatedthoughts.com. Again, that's caffeinatedthoughts.com, C-A-F-F-E-I-N-A-T-E-D, thoughts. You can Google it, and it'll show up at the top of your search screen. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, sign up for our emails. That way you don't miss a single update. If you happen to be, uh, if you like listening to podcasts and you have a particular podcast app that you enjoy listening to, we are on Apple Podcasts, we're on Podbean, we're on Stitcher, we're on Spotify, and we're on SoundCloud. Um, If there's one of those uh, podcast app that we're missing that you would like to see us on, drop me a line at shane at caffeinatedthoughts.com and I'll look and see if I can make that happen. Until next time, my friends, uh, stay safe, stay healthy. Practice social distancing, and we'll see you later. Take care, everybody.